You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Equifax CEO Smith retires. Deloitte remains tight-lipped. Suggestions about how to handle identity and investigate breaches. macOS High Sierra suffers from a password exfiltration zero day. Two days after Germany's elections and the Russian dog hasn't barked or the bears growled, but there are plenty of 2016 paw prints over U.S. opinion. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, September 26, 2017. Equifax CEO and Chairman Richard Smith retired this morning in an apparent gesture of atonement for the company's massive data breach. Paulino Dorego Barros Jr. has been appointed interim CEO. Mark Feidler will become non-executive chairman. Smith joins the CIO and CSO in breach-linked retirement. The company said that Smith and the board expressly agreed to defer any formal characterization of his departure and the determination of any payments or benefits Smith may be owed until after the review of the data breach. The new chairman said, quote, Equifax is a substantially stronger company than it was 12 years ago. At this time, however, the board and Rick agree that a change of leadership is in order, end quote. Smith is still scheduled to be grilled by Congress in coming weeks. Various senators and representatives have jumped up to declare their continuing dudgeon and reassure their constituents that they won't be mollified by a handful of high-profile retirements. Equifax continues to receive very harsh reviews for incident response, as experts warn all to brace for a breach-enabled cybercrime wave. The McClatchy News Service offers a dismally probable list— theft of your tax refund or social security check, someone getting a second mortgage on your house, renting a car while pretending to be you and then wrecking that car, or buying a gun in your name. The incident should prompt some serious examination of identity management. The old familiar forms of establishing you are who you say you are obviously are no longer remotely adequate. Deloitte continues to be tight-lipped about its own breach. Reuters reports that the company says only six customers were affected, the information lost was relatively minor, and the affected customers were informed in a timely fashion. Deloitte's websites and Twitter feeds haven't addressed the breach yet, as far as we can tell. Engage in proactive messaging to the broader base of stakeholders and the public regarding what is known and not known, and what the organization is doing. Those words figure into Deloitte's own advice on how to handle the strategic and reputational risk of a breach. 
If the breach really is restricted in scope, perhaps the number of stakeholders are sufficiently limited that quiet and private communication is the appropriate approach. There may indeed be good reason for holding information close. Some observers think it possible the breach may be more widespread and consequential in its effects, but it's still too early to tell. With three major breaches disclosed in less than a month, Equifax and Deloitte, and lest we think this is all confined to the private sector, let's not overlook the Securities and Exchange Commission. There are many calls to do something. One example of something that may be worth considering came from Ron Gula, security expert and founder of Gula Tech Ventures. He suggests that governments might play a role in post-breach investigation that's analogous to the role the U.S. National Transportation Safety Board plays in accident investigation. Some threshold would need to be established. Suggestions are surely welcome. Most observers agree that Equifax's response to their breach has been handled poorly, to say the least. So what's the proper response to a breach? We spoke with Stephen Moore, VP and Chief Security Strategist at Exabeam. Before joining Exabeam, he was with Anthem, playing a leading role in the response and remediation of their breach. So his advice comes from experience. Usually what happens in most organizations, if they don't self-discover, is a lot of chaos and a lot of quick political changes within the company. Heroes will emerge. A very quick change will occur inside of the company, sort of when the aliens arrive, if you will. So everyone stops sort of fighting internally and begins to focus very clearly on a, on a new and distinct problem. Do they find that the planning that they did ahead of time is generally uh, sufficient to recover or, or are things coming at them fast and furious? From my experience, the planning that happens before is insufficient, largely because they focused on the wrong problems. They may have protocols for certain things, but they've never actually had to go and attack the problem at the speed and at the breadth uh, that they're faced with in a, in a breach, especially if someone knocks on the door like a customer or maybe even an adversary or someone like the FBI and says, hey, you've had a problem. What are the typical actions that people take and, and what parts are good and which parts are mistakes? Part of the actions that are, that are forced on someone or an organization, they typically buy into three things. They're buying visibility. Uh, they're buying some sort of analytics or someone to sort of decipher what has happened and then response. Other things that pop up, uh, a great emphasis on managing the message pulling people from one job into another. There's a lot of other sort of operational sort of hero work that occurs as well. And so in the meantime, the day-to-day the -day business uh, has to be done. Um, how do organizations generally handle that? That's an, a, a fantastic question. Uh, in many cases, it doesn't. Um, there are cases where depending on what happens inside the company, there may be a shutdown of critical systems. Uh, there may not be uh, enough resources or maybe enough planning to spin those up into another location. So I have uh, experience with a company that, that I did business with in my past that provided a service. It was such a bad situation that uh, they had to shut down completely uh, for months. And as a service provider to to my former employer, uh, that was a, a very sticky situation because now you're sort of in a, a vendor management disaster recovery situation. Do people find themselves um, dealing with sort of a, an unexpected emotional hit? Absolutely. I can tell you firsthand that when something like this happens, people are afraid there's a hit to an ego. Often in information security, we get to play the hero. 
we get to solve problems and do very cool things. So when a negative event happens, it can really hurt our self-image, speaking very plainly and and very directly. And then the choice becomes, and I've had to share this firsthand with, with some of my staff and people I care about that I worked with, and say, the problem is here. It's your choice on how you behave. Um, you know, you have to sort of ride the bomb all the way down. And your actions through this crisis will dictate your career from here on out. And so there's a huge opportunity uh, as well. So take us through what kind of advice you have for organizations. What are some of the, the best practices they can engage in if they get word that there's been a breach? The first thing they want to do is think very quickly and be self-aware, if not already, about what gaps uh, might they have. Do they have relationships with the local authorities? Might they need outside investigative help or even PR help? So a quick triage of those things, that's out of the gate. I mentioned earlier about sort of acquiring or buying or think about thinking about visibility, analytics, and response. You're going to have to have that. And it may be a combination of things you buy, services you acquire. That's a necessity. So scoping what you're doing and and using economies of scale to pull together vast amounts of information uh, to sort of stitch together timelines for response. So be aware and then begin thinking about how you plan to run the investigation, um, obtain visibility, obtain analytics and response. That's where I'd start. You know, there's that old saying about how an uh, ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. What can people do on the preventative side to make things easier if they do face something like this? Uh, one of the things, and this may be a weird one, when you're in a situation like a breach, you're going to have to go deep. You're going to have to go very deep. You will end up pulling in people who might have been an analyst, and they may need to come up and operate like a director. Let me explain. Uh, In the Anthem breach, at the time, I was a junior-level director. But because of circumstance, I had to get pulled into very quickly executive-level discussions. One story, I had to get on with a 1,000 of our largest clients with seven minutes' notice and virtually no sleep for many days. Had my mentors not prepared me for really public speaking and being able to uh, share complex thoughts with a wide audience, I would have failed miserably. So that's one thing I think you can do. Grab the up-and-comers and start inviting them in to even give pitches, presentations before a crisis. So identify those people knowing you're going to have to go deep. That's Stephen Moore from Exabeam. Apple is updating macOS High Sierra. Unfortunately, it comes with a security hole. Synac's chief security researcher Patrick Wardle has demonstrated a password exfiltration zero-day. He says he disclosed it to Apple earlier this month, but that no patch was made available for it. Wardle told ZDNet he likes Macs a lot, but thinks Apple has badly oversold their product's reputation for security. Germany's Sunday elections returned Chancellor Merkel to office with a different coalition and without much evidence of Russian influence. More information on the influence operations in the 2016 U.S. elections is out, however. Exactly how they sought to interfere is slowly coming to light. Purchased Facebook placements are the latest tactic. Why they were doing it is no mystery at all. Division and discord based on race, religion, and class seem to have been Moscow's goal. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. 
Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Joe, welcome back. Hi, Dave. How are you? Pretty good. Um, You know, you have made the point several times here on the CyberWire that you're a big fan of password managers. I am. Uh, I am a recent convert to password managers, and I must admit I was skeptical at first. Right. I thought, how could this... Isn't this just another level of complexity... For me to throw into things, you know, having to manage my passwords and, and I, I just... It, it I was, adds complexity to your passwords, but it makes it easy for you to do that. And when you add complexity to passwords, your passwords are better. And, and what's impressed me is how, um, you know, we're using one of the, the big name ones. I'm not going to name it here, give right. them a free pre-plug, but it's one of the ones you've heard of. And right. um, they really do make it easy. Uh-huh. They store your, not only do they store your passwords, they store uh, the sites where those passwords are. So right. you can go in and, and you know, because uh, there are some things like I rarely use, you know, I rarely log into the account where my dental insurance is stored. Right, yeah. And so it's easy for me to forget what that password is, but with the password manager, it's all right there. It's and automatic. It's exa- that's exactly right. Uh, I use. I will tell you the one I use because the one I use is open source. Um, mm. It was designed by Bruce Schneier. It's called Password Safe. It's not cloud based, so uh, I have to keep it somewhere where I can access it anywhere I need to access it. I see. But I keep it on a uh, you know I, I I keep it on a on a thumb drive and and have it available uh, usually anywhere I need it, need it to be. It does all the same things. It stores the website, stores my username, stores my password, and allows me to have really, really complex passwords. You know, my, my default policy for a website is 20 characters, random generation. There, there doesn't have to be pronounceable words or anything with right. all kinds of special symbols. There's no way I'd ever be able to remember that. If somebody, if somebody asked me right now what my Facebook password is, I would not be able to tell them. Well, and another point was 
you know, people sort of push back and say, well, then aren't, don't you just have one password that rules them all? And, and you know, because you have to have a password to get into your password manager. Right. And so that's sort of the keys to the kingdom. It, it is the keys to the kingdom. You are you are creating essentially a single point of, of failure. But now what has to happen is somebody has to target you specifically to get that. You know, that can happen, certainly. It's a lot less likely than one of these 200 websites that are in my password manager being hacked that's actually far more likely. That's the bigger risk, I think. And the other thing is that with these password managers, you can have multi-factor authentication turned on. Yep. So even if someone did get that, you know, one the the, the right. main the, the main password, the keys to the kingdom, uh, I would still get a notification of that you know, I still have to do the multi-factor to yep. log in. So, Absolutely. So there's a backup there. It's it it doesn't seem as uh, as dire as it was. So. No, no, multi-factor authentication is great. Uh, you won me over. <laughs> I'm glad I to say uh, I, I was like I say I was skeptical at first but uh, let me just put the word out there that uh, from Joe and Dave if you're not using a password manager it's easier than you think it's going to be and boy does it really make your security uh, it, it ups the level of security uh, in, right off the bat it so, does money well spent yep All especially right. if it's free especially if it's and free, I know I've right? said it, it you know I've I've said that uh, in the past I've said you know if it's free they're monetizing it somewhere but generally an open source software particularly with this product the uh, the password safe it's they're not monetizing it right it's just something that somebody did for the good of uh, the good of humanity. Right. Next week on the CyberWire, how Joe's passwords all got compromised by the <laughs> free software he was using right. online, <laughs> and how Dave laughs at him for not pay- using a paid product. So make yep. sure you don't miss that. All right, Joe. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> My pleasure, Dave. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.